Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to encourage you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And finding your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to hold it there for just a minute because we're going to take a little journey this morning before we arrive back at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at uh, the structure of the body of Christ. Also, I would mention to you this morning that on the back of your bulletins today are some review and reflection notes for you. Uh, As we move through this message, you can take those home and meditate on the word that's been shared this morning at at a later time. So uh, for the last several weeks now, we've been uh, traveling through a series of messages that we have entitled as a series, Together. And in week one, we looked at the the, uh, purpose of building community within the church the value of community. We talked about how that in the context of community, there is, a, there is a, a paradigm that's there that as we experience the trials and the burdens and the hardships of life, when we've got somebody to come alongside us and help shoulder those burdens with us, then those burdens then are divided. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that when we, when we experience joy and good times, when we share those things with other people, those things then are multiplied as we rejoice together. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 12, speaks about the value of community and uh, the value of having someone close by when we, when we fall who can help us up and the value of having someone by our side when we're under attack and how it is that we are so much less susceptible to attack when we are operating in the context in the confines of community. We also talked about the importance of community. There's a, there's a difference between value and importance. There's, there's an importance or an urgency in community, and that is that as we operate, as we as the body of Christ operate in the context of community, and we're intentional in that, that it helps us to guard against the devil's tactics of isolation. We are, we are safeguarding the body. When we are coming together in community, we don't have the outliers, we don't have those hanging on the fringes, but we're together. It helps us to safeguard our brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's also the importance of community in that it is as we operate in community and in fellowship, we are then displaying that type of fellowship that bears witness to the life of Christ. John 13 and verse 35 says this, By this will all men know that you're my disciples. Not that you gather in the same room together on Sunday mornings. Not that you all attend the same church or the same functions, but that you have love one for another. That you operate in that that place of community and therefore we are increasing the effectiveness of the church's witness as we operate in community. So that's the importance of community is that we're, we're standing against the onslaught of the devil and not only that, but we're also taking an offensive stride ourselves in that we're increasing the effectiveness of our witness. 
Last week we talked about the importance of praying together. We, we did that very thing for the first few nights of this week. And uh, I want to say a special thanks to all of you that came out to our prayer emphasis nights this week and, and made those nights such a wonderful time in the Lord. Those of you that were here, didn't you enjoy coming together? Didn't you enjoy sacrificing your time and spending time with God's people in prayer? Amen. So when we pray together, and together is the emphasis of this series of messages it's our theme for the year when we pray together that introduces to us a dynamic that attains promises in Matthew chapter 18 Jesus says if any two of you would agree as touching anything then you would have it amen is that what the word says Acts chapter 2 we read about that great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the word says that there were people there who were all in one place with one accord in other words they were they were together in proximity but they were also knit together in heart and in purpose and it says there that the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit on them so it's a it's a it's a dynamic that helps us to attain promises and it's also a dynamic that thwarts the advance of the enemy when we pray together the, the book of Deuteronomy says that one will put a thousand to flight and two will put ten thousand to flight. When we stand in agreement together, there's a power in that as we pray together. So, through all of this series of messages, we've been closely considering a threefold ministry emphasis in Acts 2.42 that says that things that were common in the early church were discipleship, or as the word says it there, the apostles' doctrine. We might say that this is growing together in our knowledge of the things of the Lord. There's also fellowship, which that verse calls the breaking of bread, or the growing together in relationship with other believers. And then there's prayer. And this could be defined as us growing together in our fellowship with Christ. But I want to hasten to point out to you this morning that these are not the only three aspects of ministry that are listed in Acts chapter 2, the, the passage of Scripture that we've been considering all these last few weeks. There's also uh, some, other, some other things emphasized here that should be a part of a strong church. Number one, we find in verses 41, the beginning verse of our focus and the ending verse of our focus, verse 47, these couple of Scriptures here that tell us that the early church had an evangelistic reach. Jesus said it this way, go into all the world and make disciples. They had that evangelistic reach. Listen to verse 41 here from Acts chapter 2. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. How does that work? You preach the gospel. People come to know Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Verse 47 says this, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There it is again. They continued to preach the word and people continued to get saved and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So that was one other thing that was evident in the early church. There was another thing that was evident in the early church, and it's one of those things that just drives our curiosity wild, and we're, we're all about it. We would love to see the miracles. We would love to see the signs and the wonders manifest in the modern church, would we not? 
And the word says in Acts 2 verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. We might say that miracles were worked among them. Now, when we start talking about miracles, come on somebody. You, you, you just, you, your ear perks up a little bit. We, I've known people that will drive for hours, if not days, to get to a meeting place where they've heard of the manifestations of miracles. There, there are people from this community, I'm sure, that have driven to Lakeland, Florida, or wherever. There's the latest thing going on, a stir, a move of God. They're, they want to see that power manifest. So I know there's an interest. Let me, let me ask you these questions, though. As we're talking about the evangelistic reach of the church, as we're talking about the signs and wonders being manifest in the church, aren't these the very things that we'd all like to see happening in the church? I mean, how would you like it if every time you come into the house of the Lord, you saw people coming in repentance to the altar and giving their heart to the Lord? Wouldn't that be awesome? How would you like it if every time you come to the house of the Lord, you saw the blind receiving their sight and the lame being made to walk again, the sick being healed? The power of God at work. What if next year at this very point, we're, we're just at the close of January, but what if in January 2019 we were to put together some type of slideshow or vis visual presentation of all of the things that had happened in the life of this congregation in 2018 and in the course of that video, all that we kept seeing over and over and over again were altars full of people giving their hearts to the Lord and people being prayed for and receiving manifestations of the power of God in the midst of life's most difficult circumstances, would you not be excited and thrilled to be a part of what was going on in the body of Christ? I think it would be awesome. I really do. So when we look at this early church and we look at them, we know they were, you know, they were continuing in the apostles' doctrine. They were breaking bread from house to house and they were continuing in prayer together. But then as we look at that and we sometimes feel like we're doing the same things. We're here this morning. We're, we're continuing in the apostles' doctrine. We're going to leave today and perhaps some of you are going to get together and share a meal or something. You're going to share fellowship together. You've got friends in the body of Christ. And certainly we pray together. We, we pray together at the close of these services. We have special times as we did this week when we come together and pray. And I trust that you are praying at home, that you're standing in agreement with some prayer partners of your own outside of this place. So then the question then stands is why don't we see with a greater frequency then the evangelistic reach and the manifestation of miracles and the things, the power of God moving in the life of the church. So as a pastor, I look at that and I say, man, I want that for my church. Do you want that for your church? Don't you want those things for your church? So then I begin to pray and I begin to ask God and I say, Lord, what must we do? God, what, what do we need to do, Lord? What do we need to do? Now, according to human logic, that is the exact thing that we should be asking. Right? You, you, you want to achieve a desired end, you begin asking the question, what must I do from where I am to arrive at where I want to be? 
What do, we, what do we need to do if we want to reach more people for Christ? What programs do we need to employ if we want to see people grow in their knowledge of the things of God? What do we need to do? How much more prayer, how much more fasting is required if we want to see miracles taking place among believers? Now, while this is perfectly logical from a human standpoint, it's not necessarily the way things work in the kingdom. And I want to qualify that statement for you. You know that I'm an advocate of goal setting. I, I subscribe in my own personal life to the paradigm that Stephen Covey addresses in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that if we're going to be highly effective people, we need to begin with the end in mind. The problem in the spirit realm, though, is that from a spiritual standpoint, is that when we serve a God of whom the Bible testifies is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that we can think or ask or even things that we have imagined, then we may be short-sighted in our ask if we're beginning with the end in mind. Because the truth of the matter is, God may have something in store for us that is far greater and outpaces and outruns our wildest imaginations. So we can't necessarily, as it pertains to life in Christ and, and, and being the church, we can't necessarily begin with the end in mind. Because we don't know what God has in store. The word says that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. I think about people like Moses and Abraham and Joseph and, and those different ones that, that God called them out to an obedience and especially Abraham. He says, look, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to lead you to a land that I'm going to show you. What? No, 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 no. I want to know where I'm going. Forget, all, forget about this trust and stuff. I trust where I'm at. How many of you, you trust where you're at? It's comfortable. You, you kind of like, you, maybe you like or you don't like, I don't know where you're at, but, but you know if you leave where you, you don't know what's waiting outside. You don't know where that next step of faith is going to lead. But I can promise you this, God wants what's good for you. God knows what's good for you. And God is going to lead you to good for yourself, for his glory. Amen? So, when we begin in the spirit realm with the, with the end in mind, sometimes we begin to set limits on a limitless God. So we, sometimes I believe in the body of Christ, and I just want you to ride with me here for just a minute. Sometimes in the body of Christ, I believe we focus too much on the question, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? I, th I think we focus on that question too much. Because there, there have always been and will always be disagreements about what needs to be done in the church. As long as there are human beings, everybody has their own preference and opinions about what needs to happen in the church. As long as they're human beings, the answers for that question of doing will always be widely varied. We're never going to just come and just settle on a thing and say, hey, this is the thing that needs to be done. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes we have focused so much on the question of what needs doing 
that we forgot the more important question of not what do I need to do, but who am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? You know, in Scripture, even sometimes, we, we often focus on what we need to do. There's a list. Oh, I grew up. When I grew up in the church, I grew up and I knew what needed to be done. And I knew very well what did not need to be done or what ought not be done. I had it. I had it down pat. I was just as lost as I could be, but I knew what needed and need not be done. Because in the, in the knowing what needs and needs not be done, I lost sight of what I was supposed to be. And sometimes we ask that question so much, what needs to be done, that we lose sight of what we need to be. And the trouble with this is that we can be doing everything just as we're supposed to be doing them and not being what we're supposed to be. This was the trouble in Jesus' day with the Pharisees. We read about them, we villainize them, we talk about them. They were doing everything right outwardly, but not being what they needed to be inwardly. How many of you know people that if things don't go their certain way, then they can't be who they're supposed to be? Even Christ-like. You know, their, their responses, their reactions when things don't go a certain way. Jesus said this. He said, there will be people in the last days who are doing exactly what needed to be done, but with no focus on who they were being. And it says this in Matthew chapter 7. It says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, they were doing all the things that needed to be done, but if you take that uh, phrase there, you who practice lawlessness, and put it into our modern vernacular, he's saying sinners, lost, without relationship to the Father. Now when the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, addressed the church, and he gave that analogy of the church as a human body. He mentioned the various functions of the body. He mentions the hand and he mentions the ear and he mentions the eye. And he talks about the functions of the church. And he talks about that and you understand that the function is the doing. The function is the doing. What do you do? We've got people in this place today that your gift is teaching and you teach classes in the body of Christ. That's your function. You're doing But I want to I point to you here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read the broader text of this in just a few minutes. But right now I want to focus here on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. And it says this, now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ and members individually. What I want to point out to you here today is in the midst of all of that function that doing Jesus the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is quick to point out to us not our act of doing but our state of being and he says you are the body of Christ you are the body of Christ church I'm gonna tell you something 
It is time for the modern church to take its focus off of how we do church and back on the focus of being the church. It's time for us to draw our attention back away so much from the doing and back to the thought of being. It's not how are we doing church. It's, you know, so many people, is it a contemporary church or a traditional church? Is it a young church or an old church, a formal church or a casual church? Does it have string-driven worship or keys-driven worship? Oh. How are we doing church in the future? We've gotten so hung up often on the idea of doing that we've forgotten the being. You are the body of Christ. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell him, I am the body of Christ. I am. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. It's not an issue of doing. It's not an issue of having. It's an issue of being. When you come in here this morning, I hope you realize that it's not an issue of having church this morning. It's the issue of being. And we're going to cover that, we're going to cover that a little bit later on. But I, I want to, I confess there are times that I've sought the Lord and I've said, Lord, what should I do? And many times the answer comes back to inform me, not of what I should do, but what I need to be. What I need to be. How about this? Be still and know that I am God. Be patient. Be kind. Be loving. How often do we hear these things in the Word? Be filled with the Spirit. Jesus said, you are another state of being. You are the body of Christ. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. So there's a, there's a lot of times, you know, when we're talking about the do's and the don'ts, there's a lot of times when the directive given to the people of God is not about the do and the don't, but the what you are. And it's, a, it's addressed as a state of being. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. It's not about the doing. And we, when we concern ourselves with what we're doing, but not with the being, there's a huge problem. That problem is called hypocrisy. Now, here's the thing. We, we, look back, we look back to the initial text that we were looking at, and we see those things manifest in the life of the early church, that explosive evangelistic outreach and that, that outpouring of miracles in the body of Christ. And let me tell you how this affects if we're only doing, if we're merely doing but not being, as that is this, that, that this problem is not pleasing to God, therefore we see no miracles, and it's quite frankly unattractive to the world, therefore we see an ineffective outreach. So this is, I want you to turn with me here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to be, begin reading here in verse 12. And we're going to hasten towards a close this morning. And um, we're going to wrap that up. But if you've got 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, would you shout amen this morning? Amen. Listen, listen to the words of the apostle here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, for as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body being many are, there it is, state of being, one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor and on our unrepresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need but God has composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, I want you to really listen to this. I want you to get a hold of this and think about it in that context of community that we've been talking about. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, we come back again to that verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I want to just outline a few things of togetherness in the body of Christ as we find it here in the scripture. If we are not as concerned about the doing of church and more about the issue of being the church, then we find these things evidenced in the church. Number one, everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. I want you to look at somebody next to you, behind you, in front of you, whatever it is. I want you to tell them right now, I need you. Number two, in the body of Christ, everyone is valued, is valued. Look at somebody say, I appreciate you. I appreciate your gift. I appreciate your talent. I appreciate your presence. I appreciate your prayers. Number three, everyone's gift is appreciated. Ooh. You mean I don't get worked up over somebody doing something in the body? No, you appreciate that gift. We don't look at somebody who has a gift and say, look, I don't, we don't have any need of you. We find ways to put you, put you to work, amen? If one suffers, we all suffer together. If one is honored, then we all rejoice with the one that's being honored. 
Boy, that's hard, isn't it? That, that's a strike against the ego. Oh, boy. How'd they get that? I don't know how they got that. I don't understand. Why is, how come that never happens to me? How does it No, we rejoice with them. See, we've been talking for the last several weeks about the formation and the launch of our connect groups. And the reason we're doing that is because we realize that in a, in a room this size with this number of people that it's really hard to, to, to get down and to begin to build these kind of things. But we know where there are a few people that, that get together that everyone is needed. And everyone's going to be valued. See, there are a lot of people missing this morning. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we've probably got... 25, 30 people or more this morning that have called and let us know they can't be here. They've got the flu, they've got the sickness, they've had babies, they've, they're recovering from operations and various things. Uh, the list kept going so long this morning, different guys would come to me and say, hey, this person texted and this person called and said they can't be here. And I was thinking we were just going to be live streaming from an empty room this morning. So I, was, I went in full-on panic mode. <gasps> But the importance is, though, when, see, people can be in this room, they'll, they'll be missing. But when they're in your group of a few couples, a few families that get together and share a fellowship and continue in the apostles' doctrine and share in prayer together and just experience life together, you're going to be missed. Not that you're not missed here, but it's easy to slide through the crowd. So I'm challenging you, church. A couple of weeks from now, February 11th, immediately following the service, we're going to have a groups fair out there. And all of our leaders are going to be out there, and they're going to tell you about their groups. You need to get signed up. We're not trying to do anything spooky. We don't, we don't want you to come. And we're not going to set a chair in the middle of the room and slather you with oil and make you do things you don't want to do. I mean, unless you are into that kind of thing. just want to create environments where the body can focus on being the body because you see the the things that we do need to be the outflow of who we are okay so when we are the body of Christ then the things that we do are going to naturally evidence the life of Christ that is in us. You know, so many things in the scripture that we're told to do, you realize that a lot of the commands in the scripture that we're told to do come with the presupposition that we already are a certain thing. You ever notice when Jesus says, when you pray, there's an assumption in that statement that you are a person of prayer. When, Paul says, when you assemble, there's an assumption in that that we're going to be a people who are coming together to worship the Lord. There's a lot of those whens and ifs in the Bible that have the assumption that we already are a certain thing. And this year, I want Faith Assembly to be focused on being the body, not having church. I forget about having, if you want to have something, go have a weenie roast with a social glove. Okay, I'm talking about being the church, being the body of Christ. And you know, you know what I believe? I believe when we do it,
not the way they did in the 1950s, not the way they did in the 60s or the 70s or during the Jesus movement or, or, or during other charismatic movements, but I believe when we do it the way that God has recorded in history and said this is the way that the church operated, the, the church was together, the church was a cohesive unit, the church operated in a spirit of unity and love and care one for another. I believe when we begin to operate in that kind of system, the way that God said, not the way that tradition has defined, that we're going to see miraculous things happen. I believe we're going to see the body of Christ explode. Do you know why? Because there's something attractive. There's something attractive about belonging. That's why our inner city streets are full of gangs, because young men find a place to belong. Maybe they've been beaten and abused, but in this group, they found a place to belong. Maybe they've been made fun of and pushed aside and marginalized, but there in that group, they can belong. And as we create environments for people to belong and to, to be needed and valued and have their gifts appreciated, that we suffer together, that we rejoice together, then we're going to find in that that that's going to be attractive. We're going to have that explosive evangelism. We're going we're gonna to have, we're going to see the power of God begin to move and we're going to see miracles take place. You believe that? So needless to say, as a pastor, I'm constantly seeking the Lord for what I need to say. And many times I'm asking, what do we as a church need to do? And I believe the Lord spoke back to me with clarity and said, it's not about doing church. It's about being the church. Are we doing church on Sunday morning without being the church the rest of the week? That is a vital question. In the kingdom, what, what we do needs to be an outflow of who we are and who we are becoming. I believe with all my heart that as we purpose above all else to be a New Testament church, that, that should be our aim is to be a New Testament church, that we're going to see the very things that they saw in Acts chapter 2. I believe that if we'll commit ourselves together as a body in discipleship, in fellowship, and in prayer, I believe that's when we're going to see things that will exceed our imaginations do you believe that do you believe that aren't you ready to be are you ready to be if you're ready to be I want to invite you to stand all over this congregation this morning And we're going to do two things here this morning. Number one, I'm going to pray a prayer of anointing over you. I'm going to pray that God would pour out the measure of his spirit that's necessary. I, I want to tell you, I can't be what I need to be in and of myself. But the word says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't be what I need to be apart from the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, neither can you. But I believe as we look to him for strength that he will help us and he will bind us together as that body that he's intended for us to be. And we're going we're gonna to begin to have favor. Did you read that in Acts chapter 2 where it said they had favor? God's going to give us favor in this community. 
God's going to give us favor in the hearts of men. We're going to see people coming to know the Lord, being delivered and set free. Well, I was excited about that. I think they're coming. They're ready for the chicken, you know. But you know that buffet lasts most of the day. Church, aren't you just, aren't you just hungry? Aren't you just hungry for something more? Just, just for a deeper, to walk in a deeper anointing. And to, to have a different dynamic in our fellowship. Jesus even said that the reason that he was going to send the Holy Spirit for us was not so we could have something but so that we could be something and you shall be witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon you he didn't say you almost send the Holy Spirit so you can have a good time he said I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit so that you can be a witness and I believe as we set ourselves to be the body of Christ to be his hands extended to one another to be in fellowship and in unity with our brothers and sisters in the Lord to be in prayer together I believe that that is where God is going to command his anointing I believe that is where he's going to command his spirit I believe that's where he's going to pour out a fresh revival I believe that's where he's going to he's going to send the next wave of something great and something powerful to sweep across this land I was excited about that. Oh, goodness. So come on, church. Would you just begin to call out right now? Just begin to lift up your voice to the Lord and say, God, help me. God, I purpose today by the power of your Holy Spirit not, not to be focused any longer on the doing God on the being, the being, the man or woman of God that I'm supposed to be. Not just doing what looks good to those on the outside, but being who you've called me to be, who you've ordained me to be, what you've appointed me to be. God, I want to be. I want to be because I know the outflow of being is the doing, and then we're going to experience the seeing. We're going to witness your power. We're going to witness your grace. We're going to witness your miracles. We're going to witness salvation and deliverances. We're going to see. God, help us. Holy Spirit, anoint us. God, fall on us, O oh Lord. Refresh us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us, O oh God, to be what we need to be. So that, Lord, then our ear would be even more sensitive and attuned, God, to doing what we need to do in an effective way, oh God. God, we want to please you. We want to see you move in our midst. We want to see you move in our church. We want to see you move in our community. God, help us to be serious about the business of being. 
being men and women of integrity, being peacemakers, being people of prayer, being people who are devoted to your word, who are devoted to fellowship with other believers. Help us, Lord, to be by faith, believing that you will do exceeding and abundantly above, Lord, and that we'll be here to see it. Direct us, O oh God. Lead us. Guide us. Help us, Father. Strengthen us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The second thing I want to pray for today is the number of people from this body that are home, that are missing today due to sickness and affliction, things that are plaguing their bodies. And I just, I want to speak to that right now. Jesus name can we agree together on that father in the name of Jesus Lord we lift to you the sick from among us oh God Lord those maybe even in this room today but God certainly those that aren't able to be here with us today father we lift them up to you those that are recovering from surgeries God those that are battling flus and viruses God Lord those that are sick in body right now God we speak life we speak a word of healing right now. God, we command infirmity to flee because it has no right in the body of the child of God. Lord, we command it flee right now. We speak a word of life and healing right now over every one of those beings, oh God. Father, we ask you to visit them in the hospital room, in the nursing homes, in the bedrooms, the dining rooms, the living rooms, wherever they are right now, oh God. Lord, that you would raise them up, God. Lord, that you would touch them. Lord, that a healing virtue would flow through their bodies right now, mending from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, oh God. And Lord, we give you the praise, the glory, the honor for it. And we bless your mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.